What's going on, Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, May 19th, and we are back at it today, and we're starting a new series. We're going to be breaking down all the divisions in football. Yes, every single one, not on today's show, but over the course of the next couple of episodes. And today, we're lucky enough to start with the AFC North. We're going to be talking Baltimore. We're going to be talking Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? That's right. Johnny told you what's going on. But if you're seeing my face, hearing my voice, seeing my voice or hearing my face, do us a huge favor and hit the like button. Uh, Let us know how we can continue to keep growing this channel. But I'll let you know right now. You just got to share it on whatever platform you're on. Hit us with a like. Hit us with a subscribe. Those algorithms are exactly what we need to grow this channel and keep bringing you fantasy football content every single day. If you're new to the Fantasy Whispers, welcome. Hit us with that follow, as I just said. And remember that you can go to thefantasywhispers.com, our Facebook, our YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify. All those links are right there on thefantasywhispers.com. So hit us up. Johnny, we're doing it. We're starting with the AFC North today. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Some big, big names over there, of course. This is a tough division, maybe one of the toughest in the NFL. And a lot of people picking the Browns to maybe surprise win it. The Steelers won last year on what people thought was a soft schedule. You've got Baltimore in there just being usually one of the top contenders in the league. And then, of course, Cincinnati has Joe Burrow and all that stuff working and and rock and roll. We're going to dive into every fantasy-relevant storyline within the division, Uh, players that we're looking at. We're going to look at ADPs. We're going to look at production last year and all those things. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy bus. Johnny, you have a a question of the day for us. Well, I I did want to – before we get into that question of the day, I do want to say uh, to those that are – joining us now in this live stream we are going uh normally we go live an hour from now uh it's normally at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time but we are going live earlier today one because we're excited to get the show out and two because right after uh we will be jumping over to club fantasy ffl's channel we'll be going live with them we're going to do a mock draft with them uh and, and on their channel so that would be a lot of fun so Please bear with us on uh, on the time change today, and uh, and we're going to get a great show, Travis. Uh, I will start with this question. You teased it, but I want to know who who is a fantasy player who is a bust that you can never forgive because we have fantasy players that bust all the time, and you know sometimes we make excuses for them on why they you know what happened to them and how they can overcome it the next year, and sometimes they do. You know they have a a bounce back season uh but what is a player that just busted for you and you were like nope that's it i'm done it's over with i'm never touching them again well i mean there's some that like just burn so bad and then they're out of the league i mean eddie lacy is one that comes to mind for me Feast somebody yeah that has somebody that uh, cheeseburger eddie was not able to get it done and so we're really um you know That one's a big one. I think we talked a little bit yesterday about a guy named Ryan Matthews from the for the Eagles and the Chargers. He was a guy that was kind of a perennial guy that we thought should 
break out. Um, we got Austin in here. Said Chad Ochocinco with the Pats. That's a good uh, one. There's some big ones there. Oh, I was scarred. I was. See, I thought about this one, uh, and I I thought I'll give my answer after you give your like final final answer. But I for a second I was like, oh, I should go with the Mike Gilsley one because the Mike Gilsley one burned me hard. I was super into, it. but at the same time it was like he didn't have enough fantasy relevance like after that in order for me to be like oh i would bought in again to get like like there was never an opportunity so that's why i would say like i would never forgive him like i would right. forgive him he gave me like two good games <laughs> so that wouldn't be my answer but i want to know what, what what is your favorite answer i think eddie lacy is the biggest one for me just because he i, I had it was my first time in our league of re- record getting a top five pick I drafted Eddie, Eddie Lacy with the third overall or fourth overall pick. I can't really remember. He played for my Green Bay Packers, and he was just a disappointment all season long. But really put that weight on and uh, really just wasn't able to make it happen. And as a big guy, I sympathize with him, but uh, fantasy football doesn't care about your sympathy or your emotion. It cares about if you can play the game, and, and Eddie Lacy just proved he couldn't anymore. That one was really, really unfortunate because I was a fan of Eddie Lacy. uh, But when he was like a beast mode, Eddie Lacy, not feast mode. Uh, (laughs) My guy that I would ultimately go with would have to be uh, Jeremy Hill. And that is because uh, he popped off his rook at the end of his rookie season. You remember like Gio Bernard was there. He was a starter. He got injured. Then in comes Jeremy Hill. And this rookie like blew away. I mean, he was built. He was massive. Like he was he was super built. Um, and, and then, so I bought in completely the next season. I was like, this guy is a workhorse running back has everything. I wasn't afraid of geo. I knew he would take the pass work, whatever. I was okay with that. And then it was just like, I got mega burned by him. And so never, never again. And I'll be honest with you, Travis, before we move on to this next side again, cause I know we got to, but I'm really surprised we got Austin in here watching this and I'm surprised he didn't put Trent Richardson. Uh, although yeah. he might have didn't he he might have had Trent when he when he uh, blew up and not when he uh, blew out of the league. I should <laughs> say. Uh, yeah, Trent Richardson was one that was a big one for sure. Um, oh, Matt coming in with in big trust. We trust. We will be talking about the Baltimore Ravens shortly. Um, but yeah, those are just some big names that really hurt you that were going at the top of drafts that just really could not put it together. Um, I, you know who else I, I think about is uh, Steve Martavis Bryant. Remember, Martavis Bryant would show us flashes all the time and just could not stay on the field. Uh, you could talk about that with Josh Gordon as well as a guy who, you know, kind of flunked out after the one incredible season. So there's just a lot of stuff going on with off the field that can come into play, off the field whether it's drugs or food or whatever it is, it can it can get you, it can sneak up on you josh gordon was just heartbreaking because every time i was just like dude please just stay off the weed you're so talented yeah uh, but unfortunately and then kind of, they changed the weed policy right yeah. after so yeah he's yeah, probably we'll see what happens with gordon what happens uh with his reinstatement let us well, we know to, yeah uh, let us know whisper nation what is your favorite one uh, yeah we favorite. did ask in the comments here so we'll get hopefully people popping off in those uh dms and letting us know who their favorite bust is that they can never forgive but we're going to talk a little bit about this afc north before we get into that whisper nation i just want to remind you that we are nothing without your guys's unwavering support we're so proud of this community we've built with you guys together we got the discord chat popping off that link is in the bio or in the chat right there but if you feel it upon your heart to help us continue to grow the family 
and chase this dream, consider joining us over at Patreon.com. You can show support at the $10, $5, and even $1 levels. Anything really helps us out over there. Patron benefits include access to our exclusive Discord channels, entries to sports card giveaways, increased odds on our landing spot, uh, for a landing spot in our 2021 Listener League and bonus fantasy content, which is only available to our patrons. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers today and join the nation. Johnny, we talked about uh, big trust from Matt. He popped it up yeah. here. He said big trust and big trust we trust. So let's talk a little bit about big trust. The Baltimore Ravens, well, they're the first ones on our list here, Johnny. And and you kind of broke down the the film here and, and looked back at their year last year and some of these players and start at the top there with Lamar Jackson, what Baltimore's all about. Yeah, so Baltimore, uh, when you're looking and breaking down their team, look, no team in the NFL ran more than the Baltimore Ravens. We do know that. Uh, we also know that the Ravens are a league low in passing rate over the last two years or since 2019 when Lamar took over at 45%. So, it's not looking super, super, uh, you know, great for the pass catchers here. But on the other side, you know, for the running backs, we've always been really, really interested. And then, you know, I'll start with Lamar Jackson and, and his outcome. Listen, he was a major disappointment last year for a lot of players who draft him, you know, most likely in the second round of drafts. Maybe you got him in the third. But sincerely, like he wasn't. He wasn't able to perform to the quarterback standards that you draft him to. He had 27, uh, just over 2,700 passing yards. He had 26 passing touchdowns, which was a significant regression from his prior MVP year. He had nine interceptions, which was a career high. He did have over 1,000 rushing yards once again on 159 rushing attempts, which is very significant, which makes him the Konami code, right? Uh, he did have seven rushing touchdowns as well, which fantasy players really, really like. He's had two straight years of over 1,000 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. And so you like the floor that Lamar gives you. However, we saw that floor last year, and it wasn't very exciting. Many of you probably lost a lot of games because of it. I will say that he has never had a season over 401 passing attempts or 265 completions, which makes me concerned. But Travis does believe that, uh, and and so does a lot of people out there, that he could potentially get better because of the weapons that he's throwing to. And, uh, and, and so if he does do that, right, we'll talk about his weapons in just a second as far as the wide receivers go. But I do think that Lamar Jackson could potentially see his – see a resurgence from what he had last year, right? He started to get it going at the end of last year. And so potentially he could maybe get back to a top five quarterback. Do I ever think he'll be that number one overall again? Unless he really corrects his uh, passing ability, Travis, I don't know. I think they kind of took people from surprise his MVP year. And I don't know if they're going to, I think they kind of expect it now. I just love the value right now that we're getting on Lamar because a lot of people are believing that he is not a good quarterback in the NFL, and that's going to affect his ADP. And right now, if you go to 4for4.com, expert uh, consensus ADP, you got Pat Mahomes, QB1, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, then Lamar Jackson, who's at 411, basically the fifth round in 12-team leagues. Uh, I'll take that value at a guy, you know, you said basically you don't think he can be QB1. I think anybody who rushes like that, which is league-changing rushing upside in fantasy football, ball can be QB one. And I think just based on the rushing alone, and I think you're, you know, you're not asking him to be Patrick Mahomes with the ball 
through the air or Aaron Rodgers or something like that. I'm just asking him to have a little bit more better of a touchdown rate, get a little bit closer to his astronomical MVP touchdown rate of like eight that he had two years ago. I don't need him to be world beater in the passing category. I just need him to continue to do what he does with his legs and continue to be, uh, you know, that Konami code, as you mentioned. And I think I think he's got a real shot and we're going to talk about the weapons. But, Johnny, first, we got to talk about the running backs, because as we've stated so many times on this show, Lamar does demand so much of the rushing market share, which actually does kind of take away from upside of a J.K. Dobbins or even a Gus Edwards. And Gus Edwards doing enough of taking away from J.K. Dobbins upside as well. So talk to me a little bit about the backs and how you're seeing this shake out for 2021 yeah so gus or sorry uh, excuse me jk dobbins is a huge uh player that a lot of player a lot of fantasy players are looking at this year right his adp has ballooned all the way to the second round we've had many discussions on this show whether or not it should be there let's look at what we do know right we do know that baltimore had 555 rushing attempts last year for over 3,000 yards we just said how significant that that was number one in the league now jk dobbins where does he fit in that pie right because we do know that this is kind of a three-headed running back system even though lamar is uh, a quarterback 28 percent of the market share belongs to lamar jackson and his rushing you look at Dobbins, he had 134 carries last year, which actually ranked third in the uh, running back depth chart behind Jackson and Gus Bus and Gus Edwards. Now, a lot of people think that because Mark Ingram is now gone, that, okay, this is why it frees up Dobbins uh, and gives him all those carries in order to push him to that second round and make him that breakout running back that we kind of thought we saw last year, right? And the only problem was that is that, you know, Mark Ingram wasn't playing a lot last year. He actually didn't get a whole lot of carries. He only saw about 13% of this team's rushing share, which was about 72 carries. Now, sure, is Dobbins going to get some of that? I do believe so. Will he get all of that? I would I would highly doubt that. Now, Dobbins is extremely efficient, Travis. I'll give him that hands down. He had over six yards per carry. He's very electric. He, that goes back to college. So you do have that. He's very, very electric. But when you're looking at a couple of the minute details on what can he really return, right? You look at the red zone area in particular because touchdowns are what are going to really put that running back over that, you know, that hump into a very solid RB2 or, or that, you know, what we all want, that RB1, right? Well, he only got 28% of the red zone rushing shares last year or the red zone touches. And when you look even closer, so that's from the 20 yard to the, you know, to the goal line, right? But if you look at the goal line, he only had six goal line carries. Why is that important? Well, when you look at Gus Bus, Gus Bus last year had eight goal line carries. Now, Mark Ingram only had one. So could J.K. Dobbins in theory, and could they have a lot more goal line rushing attempts because of the, the added weapon? Sure. But it is very interesting to note, Travis, that J.K. Dobbins actually wasn't the main goal line carrier. It was actually Gus Bus. And I think that that, and we'll talk about Gus Bus in just a second, but I think that he's actually the more extreme value, the guy that I'll probably have in a lot more leagues this year because I don't want to pay that high draft capital for Dobbins. I do rep I do realize that it's definitely there for him to get it, right? Those numbers are pretty nice. 
However, there's a lot of limitations and a lot of what ifs in there. And I'm not a what if kind of guy. I like to go with what I know and what I can kind of project more easily, quote unquote. And so I'm I'm really worried about Dobbins. But I know that you're on the opposite side of this. I know that you uh, do see the glass a little bit more half full. So ARC is coming in here, Austin. You see him on our mock drafts. You'll see him tonight with Club FFL. Says Dobbins is great. His situation is not. Matt coming in saying we need people like Johnny to keep pushing those ADPs down so I can snag Lamar and Dobbins for cheap. I'll do my Look, best. I think, I'll do my best. I think Lamar's ADP is coming down, which is real nice. Dobbins actually end of the third now based on some of the stuff we've been hearing and talking about. Uh, these are getting into the areas where you take a second look. And I would agree with you, though. I think that Dobbins' situation and Austin, I think the Dobbins situation is not fantastic you know when I'm looking at a situation like Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift I like those situations a whole lot more even though the rushing pie is a whole lot more in Baltimore because as you talked about with Lamar getting so much of that and even Gus Edwards uh, briefly run down what you think Gus Edwards because right now going in the 11th looks like a real big steal for people if they can get him no Mark Ingram and then if Dobbins does kind of falter a little bit, you're looking at maybe having a guy in the 11th who ends up being, you know, RB2, RB3 value. And I get on and I understand why his value is so low, Travis, because of where he finished last year. It wasn't anything super sexy. RB28 in standard, RB37 in PPR. He did only have like, you know, 14 uh, targets last year, which was double what he had the prior year, which is cool. Um, but, you know, 144 carries isn't super sexy. But Gus Bus is just he's just productive. He is just a productive running back that just goes, you know, north and south. And that's what they like. And that's why they put him on the field. He did see 24 percent of the team's market share. Like we said before, six rushing touchdowns last year. You could say, hey, that's a little bit fluky. I don't think he gets that many. Well, like we said, he had 27 percent of the red zone carries and eight goal line carries, which led the team. Uh, for the running, the actual running backs. I was actually 14th in the league as well. So I do think you look at Gus Bus, Gus Bus and his history. He's averaged over 5.2 per carry his career and over 700 yards rushing per season. I think he's that's I think that's the floor that he gets. And if you're able to get him in the 11th, maybe his stock goes up a little bit more because I'm talking about him here uh, and, and you have to get him in the ninth. Eight, you know, I, I think I think as long as you're like ninth, 10th, you know, as that RB four, RB five, you know, on your bench, I think that's great. Yeah, I think there's a extreme value in Gus Edwards, and I think there's value. We talk about this all the time, passing on the more expensive back in an ambiguous backfield. I don't know how ambiguous this backfield will be with them drafting. You know, remember, Gut, like remember, J.K. Dobbins' draft capital was in the second round, I believe, last year where they got him. So they definitely like want to use him. It's just will he be the guy? Because they've also had great success with Gus Edwards. All right, it's time to talk about the pass catchers here. We have three big names to really discuss. Rashad Bateman, the newly drafted wide receiver, Marquise Brown, who dominated targets last year, and then, of course, Mark Andrews, which is how Lamar Jackson butters his bread. Johnny, when you broke down these guys, I mean, obviously it starts with Mark Andrews at the top of the of the food chain. Are you in the camp? There, there seems to be two camps going on here. There's the Rashad Bateman is going to help Lamar Jackson and ultimately help guys like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Well, Rashad Bateman went to the worst possible landing spot, and there's nothing that you can do to change what's going on. Based on the way you feel about Lamar Jackson, I kind of I have an inkling on where you're going to go with this. But what did you see when you're kind of looking at some of the numbers? 
for this year, for redraft purposes only, I am only interested in Mark Andrews as far as a pass catcher. I think his value is just right. I think of what he can get you in the upside paired with that value is there. And I am I'm interested in Mark Andrews. Uh, he had a down year last year, but he still had you know, 88 targets, 58 catches for 700 yards and seven touchdowns for a tight end. That's pretty good. He finished as a tight end four uh, in in standard tight end six in PPR. He was seeing 24% of this team's market share, Travis, which I don't think he, that necessarily goes down when you add a guy like Rashad Bateman because, yes, I do think Rashad Bateman will be the alpha, right? He's built that way, He's six feet, 190, uh, and he's seen the alpha target kind of uh, market share in college so i do think that that's what they want him to do but i do tend to believe that for this year i don't think he's going to be like the stefan diggs because stefan diggs is an uh, he's a, a pros pro uh everyone you know talked about his work work ethic and and how great he was at route running and that i think is what helped you know josh allen now i'm not saying that <clears throat> excuse me I'm not saying that that can't ultimately happen a couple of years down the road because I do think Bateman is that talented of a receiver, but I don't think that uh, he will be valuable this year. And then, you know, Marquise Brown, you look at what his upside was. The best part of Lamar Jackson's season last year, Travis, he was a wide receiver, 13 in target share uh, with 25%, and he still only finished, uh, you know, at the height of that, you know, week 12 to week 17 as wide receiver 14 and half point PPR. So that causes me some concern. And I think that they'll both kind of eat into each other, Bateman and Brown. And so for that reason, like the shark tank says, I'm out on these guys, but I do think Mark Andrews will, it will benefit him by having another pass catcher on the outside, draw attention from the law of averages would say like, if Baltimore is going to improve, they're going to probably improve in one or the other, like rushing uh, ability, you know, spreading that wealth around or passing ability and spreading that. I doubt that they're going to be able to not only get JK Dobbins more involved and make him more fantasy relevant, but also do that with Marquise Brown, right. Or Rashad Bateman. So there's just not a lot there. I think off the, off the bone, I think Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews are the guys you can smash right now at ADP. And I think that, you know, we got to look at other other ways to get value out of them. Now, if these guys fall around or so later, I love Marquise Brown. I would love for him to work. He's not an alpha wide receiver. Now, will Bateman do enough over the middle to get Marquise, you know, unbracketed? Sure, that could happen. I think he'll be fine as a bench wide receiver four or five, maybe even a six um, that you can like win weeks with. But uh, that's for me, it's just too much basically where he's going at this point. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the Cincinnati Bengals, which got some great news this week. Johnny Joe Burrow, who is their franchise quarterback, was announced by Adam Schefter that the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, who underwent reconstructive left knee surgery in December, is all systems go for the September 12th regular season opener against the Vikings, according to Dr. Neil L. L. Archie. I, I don't I don't really know for sure if that's how it's pronounced, but I know he's a well-known doctor. I just don't know his name. Um, either way, uh, Schefter saying all systems go. This looks good for Burrow, who was QB 18 in points per game last year, was 17.4, averaged 40 attempts, was on pace for 4,000 yards last season. And I think the biggest question for me, Johnny, is Joe Mixon and 
Jamar Chase coming into this offense fully healthy with hopefully an improved line. They didn't do a lot early in the draft, but they did go later in the draft to improve the line. They have a couple uh, first-round picks stacked from years past. Is that enough to get you excited about Burrow? Because remember, we, we had a couple games where he hit it, um, for you in fantasy, but he seems to be on that streamer uh, capability and two QB capability more than like a guy like Herbert who are drafting higher because he finished as a top 10 QB. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting. We were so on Joe Burrow in the beginning, obviously before he got hurt. Uh, and then it was like, oh, we transferred all that love to over uh, to Herbert. And then we right now we're kind of in this kind of slump. I actually call me crazy, Travis. This could be the take of the show. I don't know. I'm not trying to make it. <laughs> but I actually out of all the quarterbacks in this show that we're going to talk about, I think I'm most interested in Joe Burrow this year because of his value and the upside. We talked, you know, you talked about the number of attempts. I don't see that going away. They're going to continue to throw the ball and chuck the ball all over the field. We know the background of this head coach. And so I, I am really interested in Joe Burrow, especially with the added weapons and the added offensive line. Uh, I, I think uh, I'm really excited for this offense as a whole. Uh, it, and you just kind of have to pick and choose what values you like the most in this offense, because I think there are going to be several pieces in here, uh, Travis, then you're going to break them down here on, on which guys could actually be very beneficial for your fantasy team this year. But I think there could be quite a lot. You know, I want to start with Joe Mixon, right? Because Joe Mixon is the guy that's probably going to make this engine kind of turn both for Joe Burrow and the offense in general. He only played in six games last season. He finished the RB 49. But if you looked at our uh, points per game basis, he scored 13.1 points per game. That put him as RB 12. So still top 12 RB one since he is top 10 in vacated carries from last year to this year, because Giovanni Bernard went and signed with the Buccaneers Bengals. OC Brian Callahan came out and on Joe regarding Joe Mixon's workload and said he should be on the field for every down. Now, you look at Joe Mixon's injury history, he would argue with that because he hasn't been able to stay on the field for every down. But his current ADP, Johnny, is RB15 coming off the board at 211. So for me, I do think if he can stay in this window, it's a nice sweet spot for him. If he can get pushed into the third round, I love it. I'll smash that too. Uh, but I think that Joe Mixon just needs to be healthy. That's the biggest thing. And I'm not going to try and project injury, uh, but this is a guy who has dealt with injuries, even in college. So over his career, he has not been the model of health. Um, and so you look at a guy like Joe Mixon, and it gets a little bit hazy injury-wise, but I do love that he's set up for so much volume in this offense. And this is an offense that's going to throw it all over the field. So his pass catching could be through the roof. I mean, he could set, he should set career highs in pass catching this year with Joe Burrow at the at the helm. But I want to I want to bounce a little bit into the pass catchers, Johnny. I I don't know if you had anything to add there on Mixon, but well, I I just think he's appropriately, uh, you know, priced at this point. Yeah, all I was going to say is I'm sorry for the uh, ADP bump, uh, Travis. (laughs) Yeah. I've been over here, uh, and you have well as well. You know, jumping on that Joe Mixon bandwagon, especially so. in the mocks, and we'll you know we'll we'll continue to see how that fluctuates. But Mixon's a guy that I think is probably pretty set where he's going right now. 
now I'm disappointed. I should have had the Joe Mixon jersey on the wall today. That's disappointing. Yeah, you messed right. up. So, well, well, for that, I'm taking you off the screen. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about the pass catchers here. And so, obviously, no tight end really for them to discuss. A trio of talented wide receivers, though, for the Bengals: Jamar Chase, who they drafted in the first round this year; T. Higgins, who they drafted in the beginning of the second last year; and then Tyler Boyd, who is your PPR maven, the guy that just continues to kind of do the dirty work of the offense. I want to start with Chase. I mean, obviously the first wide receiver taken off the board. He's now reunited with Joe Burrow. You look at A.J. Green, Alex Erickson, John Ross, all leaving this offense. Most of that was A.J. Green, but 126 vacated targets. Cincinnati averaging the sixth highest passing rate at 63%. Um, And then you look at what Chase was able to do in college, 24 deep catches in 2019, which that was 10 more than any other player in his class. Uh, You've got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd on the roster, and they're talented as well. That could limit the true upside ceiling of Chase because, like, a lot of people comparing Justin Jefferson to Chase because Jefferson – I mean, I think Chase is probably a better prospect, but Jefferson came into such a nice vacated target vacuum there. I don't think you're going to get exactly that because there's a lot more – uh, talent on the roster around Chase, but I, I am interested in Chase right now. He's he's a physical freak. He's definitely a generational talent, as we've seen before, um, and he's got room to grow as a route runner, which is nice because his ceiling could get even higher. I think Chase is something special, though, Johnny, because we've never seen kind of a unicorn situation where a guy's going to come in was a transcendent talent. Uh, played with another transcendent talent in college and now gets reunited with that transcendent talent. And that team was top 15, top 10 in pass attempts. So there's a lot working in Jamar Chase's favor. So when we say that he's being overdrafted, which right now he is going very high, uh, but is it kind of worth it? You know, like, are you buying in on some of this hype? I'm not totally buying in on the hype. And, you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I do want some shares of Jamar Chase because I do I do think he is very very talented especially like more so in like a keeper league or something like that um, because I think the future is more exciting than maybe this year Um, I I am concerned that his hype might get a little bit too much like you said because of the Justin Jefferson and that's what's really pulling up his value right now and some of those drafts and like Travis you're looking at some of the guys that he's going around and it's it's a little a little baffling you know i i do tend to go with the other guys over jamar chase but like i said if you structure your team and you really want this piece in jamar chase i do think there'll be production there because there are so many vacated targets but again as well there's also a lot of talent on this wide receiver uh, in this wide receiver group so it wouldn't be surprising to me if we did cut him you know expect more target share than what he actually did get yeah, so the the big thing here, you talked about the talent on the roster with him, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So both of them finished as wide receiver 28 in PPR, uh, basically tied there. T. Higgins was wide receiver 28, though, in standard as well because he had some good production as a compiler as well. He was top 30 in targets in 2020 with 108 was T. Higgins. Uh, could and should be mostly unaffected, though, by Jamar Chase's addition because we talked about those vacated targets, and A.J. Green had about 100 of those vacated targets himself. So Burrow was still able to spread the ball around, T. Higgins playing in all 16 games. His current ADP is seven uh, in the seventh round at 701, wide receiver 29. So you're kind of having to buy him at where he finished last year. But 
I guess it's buying into the fact that you think the ceiling is a little bit higher this year with the added weapons and, and Joe Burrow back healthy. Um, if you're buying the progress continuing on T Higgins, which I think he's a great prospect. I think he's done really well in the league. And I think he's going to provide a lot of stuff that people aren't talking about. As we talked about, we're not going to talk about a tight end for Cincinnati today. And that's because Drew Sample is just not somebody that Joe Burrow looked to a whole ton. And he looked to T Higgins as the big body tight end guy and in the red zone. And I think that could be a big situation for T Higgins where people aren't talking about enough. Yes, you could say that T Higgins isn't as good as Jamar Chase, and I think he probably isn't as talented, but there might be some ways for him to still eat in this offense that I think are very beneficial to a guy like T Higgins. And then Tyler Boyd, the story with Tyler Boyd is really PPR. I'm not interested in standard. We talked about the difference. He was wide receiver 28 in PPR and then wide receiver 39 in standard. So and then you just look at like the difference between Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow. Burrow didn't need Boyd as a compiler because he was able to do things uh, with other wide receivers in the offense because Boyd went from averaging 9.25 targets to five points and 5.6 catches to seven targets and five catches in 2020. I think Boyd is going to be mostly underwhelming in all but PPR formats as a wide receiver three or worst on most weeks. And he doesn't have much of a ceiling. He's going not that much further uh, down the board than T. Higgins. I'd rather take T. Higgins where T. Higgins is going and hope for the upside than play the floor game uh, at wide receiver 34 where Boyd is coming off the board. Because look at the guys going with him, Johnny, right now with Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Shark, Debo Samuel, Devonta Smith. These are guys I'd rather take upside with than Tyler Boyd. I've just been passing a whole lot more on Boyd's sort of vanilla ADP or vanilla you know, uh, style of play. Yeah, I and the other thing that I'll I'll second you on the T Higgins and why I actually think that T Higgins could be the best value of the wide receivers here. And that's because where yeah, where he's going, you're paying what he produced last year, Travis. But if you just kind of take a snapshot of what could potentially happen with this offense with uh Jamar Chase coming in, let's presume Jamar Chase takes that number 1 alpha role, which I don't think is a, a far stretch from anybody, right? And then you would expect, you know, the trickle down effect to go from there. And so I would presume that the targets that you were, you know, that Tyler Boyd was seeing would then be pushed up the ladder, right, to T. Higgins because he would be the wide receiver too there. And then Tyler Boyd's would be pushed down even further uh, than that because he's not going to be that second option in the wide receiver room. At least I don't project it that way. So. With that being said, Travis, if you look at what T. Higgins or, or excuse me, Tyler Boyd, the targets, right? He he had several games where he was getting, you know, eight, 11, nine targets, right? But his his yardage wasn't super great in a lot of those because he was more of like the you know slot and under underneath guy. But you look at what T. Higgins did now on very similar targets. And I mean, he's getting eight eight targets and he's going over 50 yards uh, more oftentimes than not. Whereas, you know, Tyler Boyd was under 50 yards. So the upside to me is much significant, much more significant for T Higgins than it is for Tyler Boyd. And then as well as you're looking at that height, six, four, two, ten, you know, he's always going to be a threat in the red zone because of that. And for that reason, I am in on T Higgins <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking to get him in a lot of drafts this year. Yeah, I'm a big fan of T. Higgins. I, I I think that there are some leagues I'm going to have Jamar Chase because I think the juice yeah. is going to be worth the squeeze a little bit with Jamar Chase just based on upside alone of, a, of an LSU wide receiver and like we talked about with all that chemistry 
nonsense. We got two more teams to go through in the AFC North, but before we do, I want to talk to Whisper Nation because we're excited to debut our all new TFWFFF chat on Discord. This message is apps. This message board is absolutely free to all of Whisper Nation, and it's going to include advice threads, content links, exclusive video clips. It's already a party going down right now, and there's a community in there dedicated to this incredible game of fantasy football, which we all love. Join us today by clicking that link that we just dropped in the chat or by clicking the link in our Instagram bio, following that link to Discord. It's as easy as that. Can't wait to see you all in the chat soon. And a lot of people can't wait to see what the Cleveland Browns are going to do, Johnny. And so you jumped all over wanting to talk about Cleveland today when we were doing the show notes. You wanted every part of this team. You are a known Baker uh, lover and aficionado. So talk to me a little bit about this this offense because Baker down the stretch actually did heat up a little bit. Maybe not too hot in fantasy, but really got this offense going. And Kevin Stefanski wins coach of the year. This is a team that finally is cashing in on all the hype that we've been talking about for the last few years. Yeah, I started, I mean, I know you chose to uh, put some headphones on, Travis, but, you know, <laughs> word around town was we were all calling, we were saying Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. That's what we were calling right. him because he was just throwing tutties left and right. Uh, this offense really started to open up and you really saw Baker Mayfield trust in this offense and really see how it could all work together. Now, uh, a lot of people are going to look at, you know, Baker Mayfield and this Cleveland Brown offense and say, oh, it's a heavy rushing offense. And so I don't necessarily want a part of it because we're talking about, how you know, Lamar Jackson, we're, we're uh, you know, hesitant on him because that's a run first offense. But the difference is Baker is pretty accurate, much more accurate than uh, Lamar Jackson, but he doesn't have that upside. So I, what I will say is that when you look at Baker Mayfield getting back OBJ, which, you know, there are both sides of the argument that's saying, you know, OBJ is actually a detriment to, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield. If you look at the stats, Baker Mayfield will argue the other and the opposite. And so will everyone on the team because they understand what OBJ brings to this offense. But getting OBJ back and you look at Baker Mayfield was sixth in the league last year, Travis, in deep ball completion at 46.6%. Uh, he jumped that up from 39.2% the prior year under uh, one of your favorite head coaches there in Cleveland. And so I do think that Baker Mayfield will have a significant amount of games in which you can play him and he'll be a streamer. Do I think he should be an every down every week starter? No, I don't think that that's going to happen, but I do think that there'll be matchups and we'll tell you which ones those are. So stick around on the show, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that bell. So you get notified whenever we go live. Uh, when we will tell you, Hey, this is a good week to start Baker Mayfield. Hey, and you know, let him go, let him sit on the waiver wire. Cause there is some upside depending on matchup, but this is don't, don't get it twisted. Travis, this is all about the running backs, this team. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's definitely a run first team, but I think that there is going to be some enticing options as far as where the ceiling is with the pass catchers and Baker. Like, can Baker get to that next level? He was drafted as the number one overall quarterback. Can he ever hit that ceiling that they need? Because right now they feel like they're they basically like coming, Kevin Stavansky coming from Minnesota, treating him very much like a Kirk Cousins, you know, a run game that complements his, his stuff. So for me... I don't know if we're there yet, but but we could see it this year. I mean, it could definitely come through this year. 
I want to talk a little bit about those running backs, though, Johnny. You talked about it. This is the where the you know where the meat and potatoes of this offense is, and that's with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb going rightfully so in the first round. We've talked about if that's too high, too low for you know ad nauseum. But how do you feel about this breaking down, and how good is Nick Chubb? The answer is always it, it's too low, no matter where. Even <laughs> if you get him at the one on one, too low. Uh, no, I'm, I do. I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. I do think he is a steal in this year's draft, even though, you know, he is going in the first round, he's still not being selected as a top three running back, which is where I have him. You look at what he has done over his career. You know, me, I love consistency. I love guys who continue to produce and Nick Chubb follows that suit. He's, uh, the only, he's, one of two players in the league that has had uh, 3,500 rushing yards and 25 touchdowns since 2018. I'm pretty sure you can guess the other one. And uh, you look at what Nick Chubb does on pass blocking. He is a very, very good pass blocker, which keeps him on the field. Uh, 102 snaps as a pass blocker during that time, only four QB pressures. He's a he's a big guy. He's a he's a thick guy, Travis. I don't know if you knew that. Two C's. Uh, and just to cap it off, I mean, if all that stuff wasn't tantalizing enough, you look at this rushing offense and what they do. Well, guess who's had the most rushing 100-yard rushing game since 2019? Well, it's not Nick Chubb. Derrick Henry. Der- yeah, so it is Derrick Henry. I was trying to get Whisper Nation on that one. Uh, but second is Nick Chubb with 13, tied with Dalvin Cook, who is arguably going as the 101 right now, Dalvin Cook. And Derrick Henry is also, in general, going above Nick Chubb, which I, I do think is a little bit of a travesty considering how much this team runs the ball and how much uh, – Nick Chubb is used. I do understand the whole side of the cream hunt. I'll talk about him right now and whether or not, you know, that's everyone talks about the reverse side of the coin, right? They're like, Oh, Kareem hunt. We like to get him because if Nick Chubb goes down, like we saw last year, then you have a, an RB one potential running back that you got in the sixth round. Well, why can't I flip that coin and say, well, what if Kareem hunt gets injured? Then what, can you expect from Nick Chubb and that's where it gets exciting and that's where it really becomes he could be the number one overall running back uh, in the league because he's already efficient enough from the rushing side if you give him more targets which he can catch we saw that last year then that's where his number one overall uh, stock could be and that's why I like Nick Chubb but Kareem Hunt you look at what he does this is why I really think Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt Travis is a very good value no matter where you're at uh, in drafts uh, you know PPR standard whatever you are I think Nick Kareem Hunt is being slept on because people know what he is he's he's not a mystery box and I think you could take advantage of that you saw 48% opportunity share in this in this offense well what is that Garner right 198 carries, Travis, mm. on, on, as an RB2. There are RB1s in this league that that's what they get, you know, and they're the workhorse for their team. They get mm. 198 carries. Then you add on the touches that he – or the receptions, right? He had 51 targets, 38 receptions. So you're looking at a guy who's getting 230 touches. And what do we like? We like opportunities. He's also getting opportunity in the red zone, which uh, he was 11th in the league with 48 red zone touches. Here's the deal with Nick, uh, with Kareem Hunt. 
they use Nick Chubb on a, on, they, they put him in for two rotations and then they'll bring in Kareem Hunt for that third one. And he is the every down back on that third one. This was able to allow him to average 12.63 points per game on average, Travis, on a half point PPR with Nick Chubb. And then when you take Nick Chubb out, which is the upside, it actually doesn't get too significantly better for Kareem Hunt, surprisingly. He just went to a 13.72 points per game average, so about one uh, point per average difference with Nick Chubb. So that's ultimately why I do think that Kareem Hunt is such a great value because most people think he only has value if Kareem Hunt or if Nick Chubb goes down. But he and I'm here to tell you he doesn't. He has well, there was, very good there's so value. many weeks last year. You could have been starting both of them and, and just right. be extremely happy. And I just think this is an offense that when we're looking at it on paper, it's rinse and repeat. We know what they want to do, and they're really good at it. You know, Austin coming in here calling Baker the creator. Yes, that's exactly what he does. He creates for this offense to run the ball some more. And that's what they want to continue to do. We know, I think that. Basically, they're set it and forget it with some guys this year. And I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are on that set it and forget it. Like you're drafting Chubb, find where he's going. And if you like him in the top five and that's your guy, then take him there because the opportunity is through the roof. And as Johnny pointed out astutely, nobody talks about how if Chubb were to go. Everybody talks about if Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt's an RB1. What about if Chubb stays healthy and Kareem Hunt goes down? I mean, that's a, an awesome situation to be in as a Chubb owner, Chubb truther. Uh, not so much for Cream Hunt. We don't wish injury on anybody. No, but no, uh, the pass catchers, Johnny. Quickly, we got to talk about OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and then of course Austin Hooper. Uh, we saw some things happen last year with obviously OBJ out yet again. Look. <laughs> Tell me if you've heard this before since OBJ's come to Cleveland. We're excited about OBJ. We think he's a discount of his ADP, and we think that there's a real potential for this guy to get back to that really awesome upside that he had before. How are you feeling about that statement uh, when we talk about OBJ? I I do think ultimately, Travis, uh, OBJ is kind of the only pass catcher that I'm actually interested in for Cleveland. We did talk about how this was a run heavy team. I do believe Baker Mayfield will be able to, uh, you know, get the ball down the field. He'll be more efficient, more evolved. But I, I, I like you really doubt the true upside on a week to week basis that you could get from these wide receivers. And so I do think because of OBJ's ceiling, what we have seen in the past, granted, that was when he was younger and way healthy. Um, I, you know, we have seen him though, be a, a wide receiver two. We've seen him be a, a wide receiver one. And I do think in this offense, at least one receiver will somewhat feast and be startable and so i do think obj would be that guy and i'm and his adp right now is is very nice he's getting you know you're getting that discount right because he's coming off an injury but everything is pointing towards he should be ready is on pace to uh, make the season and then you're looking at like we said the deep ball targets uh, from Baker Mayfield, how much he improved. And then you look at OBJ last uh, or two years ago when he had a full season, number two in the league in deep ball target, Travis, and still averaging 22.3 target market share. So I think OBJ is ultimately the only guy I'm interested in because, you know, you look at Jarvis Landry, even with OBJ out, he finished as a PPR wide receiver 33 
wide receiver 36 and standard. He had a 26.3% target market rate. And I just don't see that repeating. He only had five games over 60 receiving yards. So he was definitely uh, relying on touchdowns towards the end of the season. And it's just too, it's too, uh, inconsistent for me. And I don't know if the production is going to be there to back that up. So I would actually pass on uh, Jarvis Landry this year in all drafts, maybe in a PPR league, if you get him deep enough, but that's about it. And then, you know, touch just touching real quick on Richard Higgins, Austin Hooper to wrap them up. Uh, Richard Higgins, not interested unless something were to happen to OBJ, um, you know, and even then it's just a spot start if that a streamer and then Austin Hooper, very, very much a disappointment. I mean, he was like the number one paid tight end last year and he only saw five games over six targets. He only top 50 receiving yards three times in those games. So I am not interested in Austin Hooper this year at all. That's all I got to say about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Browns, man, really led yeah. by that running game. We know that. But uh, OBJ going, like as Johnny said there, in the sixth round, end of the sixth or middle of the sixth, as wide receiver 27. I will take that just on the upside alone. Um, I think as your third, fourth wide receiver, you're, you're okay with that kind of value for the upside that could be there as the number one. I mean, you think about play action with OBJ, if he's fully healthy, is going to be something to watch by football standards. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers round us out for the AFC North. They won the division last year. Obviously have some weapons in the wide receiver room, but they have since the inception of – basically since I've been born, the Steelers have been drafting wide receivers well. Um, but the man throwing them the ball is Ben Roethlisberger, and he had a ho-hum last year coming back from that elbow surgery. Was QB 14 in overall and in points per game last year. You looked at his yards per attempt, 6.3. That was a career low in any season that he has started more than 13 games. It also ranked 32nd among QBs last year. He still was able to rack up 33 touchdowns. That was eighth in the NFL. And you see some room for growth if he was able to kind of get connected because he did. He was ninth in air yards with 4,338 last year and third in deep ball attempts with 72, third in overall attempts with 608. So there is room to grow for Big Ben. Um, you just got to hope. This is going to be a theme for, the, for these wide receivers when I get into them and for Big Ben, Johnny. And that's that you're either in one camp. You think that what you saw out of Big Ben last year meant that he was done, that the elbow is toast and he can't get it together. Or you think that was his first year back from a serious surgery and that he's going to uh, he's going to correct back to his mean of being able to push the ball down the field and stay accurate. The one thing I say for the people that believe in Big Ben, Big Ben truthers, is that he was still able to push the ball down the field. Like, he got it down there. He just wasn't very accurate when he did. It's not like we're watching Drew Brees throw it down the field and he just can't get it there, or Phillip Rivers in that case. I think that Shockley. there's something... Yeah, I think that there are some causes for optimism with Big Ben, and I think that will play into what we talk about when we talk to the pass catchers. I'm interested to think what or see what you think on Big Ben, or if you thought you're going to see more of what we saw last year. I think we will see a little bit more of what we saw last year. Uh, well, and, and to pair with that, I think they'll run the ball a little bit more now. They have Najee, and they want to use him, you know, kind of as an all-purpose weapon as well. I think that that will help Big Ben. He'll give him a little bit more time. That was oftentimes the reason why it was hard for him to to connect down, you know, with the deep ball was because he really didn't. That offensive line wasn't giving him a lot of time. So if that can get created, I or you know, if he can 
sure up that offensive line. I do think that there could be some streamable starts for Big Ben. I would much for, you know, if he's my, you know, quarterback too, if I'm in a, in a super flex league, I think that's okay. I'm, you know, I'm not super excited about it, but, you know, I'd probably be more excited about that than Carson Wentz in Indiana, to be honest with you. So uh, I, I do see there are some being upside because of these weapons that you're going to talk about right now, Travis. Yeah, I want to start with Najee Harris. You mentioned the line there, and I think that's such a big part of the take when we look at Najee Harris. Obviously, 24th pick, they used uh, their next three after that on linemen because, as Johnny stated, that line was bad. It was 17th ranked in PFF last year. Now they're not going to have Pouncey, Villanueva, or Matt Failure. Um, So really, unless these guys that come in are going to step right into it, we could be looking at a bottom half, bottom quarter, you know, top, five worst offensive lines in the league. And then you've got to talk about Najee Harris, who obviously gets the comps to Joe Mixon and Forte, caught more balls in every previous season over the last two years, including 43 last year at Alabama. You look at what Connor was taking with him when he left this team, 45% of the rushing market share and 7% of the target market share. But I just look at Pittsburgh as a whole, bottom five in rushing attempts, in yards, in rushing touchdowns, bottom six in targets to the running back position, worst team in the NFL last year in yards per attempt. You think that there's room for improvement, but is Najee Harris going to be enough behind a line that could get even worse? Um, And, you know, Pittsburgh, 26 points per game last year. That was 12th best. So you could see that the there's some points there to be had in the running game. Um, I just think on volume alone, he's going to be fine. You should get him. But I think he's going to struggle quite a bit uh, behind that line. And I think you could be sitting here with a guy that, you know, the hype is real right now. He's going in the third round already on Fantasy 4 for 4, uh, Consensus ADP, as the RB14. I don't know if I'm going to be willing to draft him there. I think there's guys with more upside, guys with better situations. But as far as volume goes, nobody's got really better guaranteed volume right now except for maybe Mike Davis. And this is a guy who's probably way more ta- talented than Mike Davis, right? So I think Najee Harris is fine. I think if that's your guy, I, I love the talent. I think it's all there. He just wasn't like people keep saying what I keep hearing from guys that I really respect as scouts. He wasn't a guy that blew you off the tape. He was just the best guy in this draft class for running backs. And he went to a team that has a lot of volume up for uh, all up for grabs, you know? Uh, where, where I seem to really not like nausea is yes i understand that there are a lot of questions about that offensive line and whether or not it's going to be better or worse but here's what i do like even with it as bad as it was last year they still had 10 rushing touchdowns between james connor and snell there was 10 rushing touchdowns for this offense and I have to believe that they're not going to let Benny Snell be the goal line back anymore, that they're going to give that to Najee. And so you're telling me that like there's an upside of 10 touchdowns, if not more. Uh, I know that Ryan uh, Weiss, who comes on our show in uh, Club FFL, Club Fantasy FFL, he brings this up too. He believes that there'll be more PI uh, because like we said, if there are if there is more time for Big Ben to throw down the field and they get P.I., then all of a sudden that opportunity of just like 10 rushing touchdowns could be, you know, 15, 20. I'm not saying 20. He'll get there. But I'm just saying the opportunities could open up even more. And that could be where he gets, you know, the bulk of his stuff, because maybe he gets ends up getting 14 rushing touchdowns. And yeah, maybe his rushing totals are are mediocre. But 
that paired with the fact that he will also probably receive out of the backfield and then the touchdown upside. I could see why people are intrigued. And I'll be honest, I'll probably have him on a couple of leagues of mine because I, I do think that he is a good running back now. Is he the greatest? No, but we've seen this before. You don't have to be the greatest running back in order to produce in the NFL. You just have to have the right amount of opportunities. And I think that that is what I'm banking on. Let me ask you this, because I think it's just going to come down to your personal preference with these guys. If we're looking at the guys going around Najee Harris right now, um, Antonio Gibson goes behind him, Miles Sanders, CEH, you know, uh, David Montgomery, even further down. All those guys, for me, I think I'm taking above Najee. But you like Najee more than those guys? Not all of those guys. I, you know, I like David Montgomery more. Um, you know, I like CEH a little bit more um, because they have fixed that offensive line. It is a better offense. But I do think that there is a sweet, like, I like him more than Miles Sanders because I don't know what the Philadelphia, you know, I, I do have some trust. I do like Hertz and things like that. But I, I, I'm a little concerned with Sanders, uh, you know, and, and what he can produce as opposed to, you know, Najee, who's looking to go. So that's right. Kind of my sweet spot right there. I'm not trying to overpay for him, but I, you know, and I would even say this, I'll, I would rather have Najee than JK Dobbins. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I think that's that, I think that's a fine volume alone. is just going to make him push the needle for me on that one for sure. I want to talk about these pass catchers because that's really the big stars of the pa- of Pittsburgh right now at the moment, even though, Ben, we're, we're not sure about the elbow. We look at these guys, this trio, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. I'll start with Deontay, wide receiver 26 in standard, and then the 21, 21st wide receiver in PPR last year. Led the team in target market share with 24%. Uh, his 144 targets last year, Johnny, that was six month most among wide receivers. So people ask, well, why didn't he finish higher? Because if you're top six in targets, what's going on? He had a 61% catch rate. That was outside the top 50 among pass catchers. Um, so I think whatever you got to buy here, you got to buy that another year with Ben and Ben recovering from that elbow injury could spell big things for him. But right now his ADP is at wide receiver 21 where he finished in PPR and is in the fifth round. And I'm just looking at some of what's going on with this offense and some of the other pieces. And I, I think I'm passing on Deontay. So we'll start with Juju Smith-Schuster. Am I passing for Juju? I don't know. He had a very strange year. Juju uh, had career lows in yards per uh, target with 6.49, but a career high in touchdowns with nine. Second highest total as a stealer in targets with 128, but then his second lowest yard total as a stealer with 831. He's got a strange team-friendly one-year deal, was 15th in targets and 25th in fantasy points, Uh, was the wide receiver 31 off the board currently in the seventh round. And I just... I'm not going to buy him there because I think that's probably about where and the nine touchdowns is the one for me, Johnny with Juju, because it just means to me that he had to live off those nine touchdowns mm-hmm. to get his nut, so to speak. Uh, but for me, I, I, I really have just been warming so much up on Chase Claypool. And I'll tell you why he was the wide receiver, 16 in standard wide receiver, 24 in PPR had 109 targets. So the least amount of targets of the three wide receivers we're going to talk about was 25th at the position though. And so similar to guys like Adam Thielen and Mike Evans, you look at what he his you know, PFF compares him to Brandon Marshall. We talked about touchdowns with Juju. He was nine touchdowns as well, or he got nine touchdowns as well. That was eighth among wide receivers. But the big one for me, 
third in deep targets, Johnny. This guy gets down the field, 31 deep targets last year, third in the NFL. Ninth in a air yards with 1,448. And this one is the big one for ceiling when we talk about ceiling. Unreal, unrealized air yards was 921. That was fourth most among wide receivers last year. So much to like uh, with Claypool, but so much like Deontay Johnson, are we buying a better year out of Ben? If so, Claypool is the one to buy a lot of because Claypool is the furthest down on the ADP. He's the most upside as far as a physical specimen. Um, and he gets down the field the most out of these guys and has a better catch rate than Deontay and looks to be a better prospect than Juju. I just think Claypool is the guy that's sneakily the guy you want to smash out of the three wide receivers. Yeah, I think that Claypool is the guy that I really want uh, in this offense as far as ADP. If I could choose, you know, um, you know, the price is right, Bob. You know, if I could do that, <laughs> then I would say, yeah, give it for uh, Chase Claypool because I do think that his his price is six round, it, Johnny, as wide yeah. receiver thirty right now. Yeah, um, I, I think I'm that's a, a great buy for me. I am okay with it because, you know, if it ends up, here's the concern and why I do believe he's going as like that third guy, because if it is true that Big Ben's elbow is, you know, out and done, then Chase is the one that's most affected by that. Right. And so there is much more of a gamble on, you know, on why you would want to get Chase Claypool. And so that's why his ADP is where it's at now. Deontay, where you were talking about and why I think I'm still okay with paying where he's going at ADP, depending, of course, who's on the board. There might be guys that I might like slightly ahead of him. Right. But I do think that I would, especially in a PPR, because I do know that even if Ben's elbow is is trash, that there's one guy that I do know won't be affected by that, and that's Deontay because Deontay runs a lot of the underneath, the quick slants, and we've seen guys. But you could argue he was of, affected by it with 61% catch percentage last well, year, and and not I think, a huge uh, yards per target either. Uh, the problem, I I think, again, uh, if you uh, we have to remember, he was having like major drop problems and he was majorly in his head in the beginning of the season. And it wasn't because like he had a yes, he had a 61 percent catch rate. But a lot of those were like I, I think he led the league and dropped, if I'm not mistaken. And so. I think, you know, they talked Johnny, to me. You're not, you're not helping with, uh, no, no, what you saw though, that was like in the beginning of the season, what you saw through the rest of the season though, is Deontay really started to get his confidence, which big Ben knew how to do, right. Talk to him, talk him up. And he started to get that confidence back. Right. And so that's where he went on that tear. He was like a wide receiver too down the stretch. He's getting all those massive targets. I don't see the targets going away, even if big Ben's elbow you know, craps the bed. And so that's why I think I'm, I'm still okay with Deontay with the juju. You're um, I'm, I'm just, he's that in between guy. I just, there's so many weird things going on with juju that I just don't, I'm, it just gives me the heebie jeebies. I'm just out. I'm just out on it. I'm just, yeah, I think too much of it was the touchdowns for me with juju where you got, you know, he had nearly 40, 50 more targets um, than Claypool and Claypool still got the nine touchdowns. So that's what I like about Claypool is Claypool seems to be a guy who can be more versatile. I think that Claypool is what 
they want Deontay to be, or they wanted Deontay to be last year. And I think Claypool will come into his own. And I'm just going to bet on talent alone and size and speed with wide receivers. And that's why I'm really a big fan of Claypool over Deontay Johnson. Just touching quickly on Eric Ebron because he was the tight end 15 last year in PPR and standard. He's now going to compete for targets though, because the Steelers drafted Pat Fryermuth. Only two games last year did he have double digit targets. I'm avoiding Ebron, um, and and I'd rather bet on one of these wide receivers that we're talking about or maybe two of these wide receivers to come through with more target share than I would Eric Ebron. So that kind of does it for me. But Whisper Nation, we want to know what you think out of the AFC North. Who's one of your favorite steals, your favorite uh, you know, bus projected for this year uh, out of that AFC North? And just join us Friday because we'll be going over the AFC East with Joe Zolo from Club Fantasy FFL. Johnny and Joe will be holding that down there. And – you guys, in, in just about an hour, right, Johnny? We're going to be coming yeah. on with Club Fantasy FFL, so make sure you guys are checking that out over on Facebook and YouTube. We'll be streaming live with them with a mock draft. Johnny, any final words for Whisper Nation after this AFC North show? I sure do. Let's go Golden State. We oh, need you wow. to win, baby. We need wow. you to win, baby. Sons, we wow. don't want to play you guys you that know, first round. Just a little basketball talk. There seems to be a lot of uh, positioning and moving around in these play-in playoff games. Uh, so, Johnny, as a Suns fan, obviously Whisper Nation knows I'm a Lakers fan out here in L.A. You really want to avoid the Lakers first round, huh? Yeah, I do. I want I want you guys to lose to by somebody else, either the Clippers or Utah. Just I don't want to play you guys. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Makes but sense. if we have to, it. if we have to, we will. But I would rather see. Uh, I've never been a bigger Golden State Warriors fan <laughs> than I will be tonight. So I'm sorry, we Travis. Will see Steph to- Curry playing out of his freaking mind. So we will see what the Lakers have to do, throwing all these different bodies at him, and then of course LeBron's ankle. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun with you guys, Whisper Nation. Uh, hit us up in the chat make sure you like and subscribe and we'll be going live here in just under an hour with the boys from club fantasy ffl i think their links in our description right Johnny? Yeah, uh not in our uh, they are a uh channel they're in our favorite channel favorite okay, fantasy sure football channel. hit up favorite channels and, and check it out there we'll be going live with them in just under an hour for johnny game time hicks i'm big travi we are the fantasy whispers we'll see you friday peace peace appreciate you whisper nation Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.